electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. The story of SoftBank. This quarter should have been Masayoshi-san's victory lap, but WeWork is back to spoil those plans as losing bets continue to weigh on what has become one of the biggest tech investors in the world. It's Thursday, November 9th. Welcome to the Tech Check Podcast. I'm Deirdre Bosa. And I'm Mark Gilbert. SoftBank, the Japanese conglomerate controlled by billionaire Masasan, a legendary telecom executive who has become in the last decade one of the biggest tech investors in tech and in startups. It posted another huge loss in its second quarter. And D, this is just another black eye for SoftBank. It's definitely not how Masasan wanted this quarter to go because it's been a rough few years, but this was the quarter they successfully listed ARM. That should have been a big win. Largest semi-IPO ever, fifth largest U.S. listing of all time. Um, and we to go back a little bit and put this in context, it's the Vision Fund. When we call Masasan one of the biggest tech investors in the world, it all happened um, and I think it was like the mid-2010s when he came out with this $100 billion fund to invest in tech startups, and they would do so mostly in late stage, so cutting huge checks of billion dollars or more. And that has just, he was investing at the peak when interest rates were near zero and valuations were going out of control and there was unicorns and decacorns, and that has not turned out to be um, very lucrative over the last few years. Right. And and we I mean we should say that this was originally, you know, a, a telecom company, it's a Japanese telecom company that just spun off a lot of cash and that cash led to some huge investments, notably Alibaba, um, which was hugely successful for them, which then, you know, created this strategy of, oh, let's become a VC investor, which has had obviously some very mixed results and led to led to a lot of these valuations just ballooning because people said that in, you know, series D, E, and F, you could just go get these monster checks from SoftBank. And I, w- I want to talk about that Alibaba investment because when we talk about it as a great investment, that underplays what it was. This is one of the greatest investments of all time. And essentially, Masa-san met Jack Ma when Alibaba was just this tiny little thing operating out of Jack Ma's apartment in Hangzhou, China. And Masa-san made a $20 million bet that would go on to be worth more than $100 billion. I mean, that is the legend of Masasan. That is why he's able to do all of these things. That's why he was able to raise that $100 billion vision fund, raise a ton of money from the Saudis. Even Apple was in that fund. I think Oracle was as well. Just a huge kind of murderer's row of tech investors and companies and sovereign wealth funds. Um, so that's sort of, that's what he's been doing over the last 10 years, right? Um, 10 years, a little bit less than that. It's just going out and deploying massive amounts of capital. Right. And you pointed out this morning that Masa this quarter brought back the infamous golden goose slide, right? Ma- Masa-san always has these very oh, yes. colorful <laughs> uh, slide slide decks that he, you know, um, puts out with earnings. And in 2000, in uh, 2021, before the downturn, obviously, he had an infamous golden goose slide. And the goose is the information revolution. And the goose is laying golden eggs, right? And those golden eggs are all of SoftBank's successful investments. So, you know, Alibaba is one of the golden eggs. 
Yahoo, Japan is one of the golden eggs, the telco company, Sprint, and the latest one um, being ARM. And that's why he brought it back. ARM is its latest golden egg. Right. He's feeling he's feeling optimistic that he can even the idea that you can tout a slide from 2021, which was the peak, um, is interesting. And this is essentially what Massasan thinks his legacy is, right? And these are true successes, right? We just talked about Alibaba, but he made an early bet on Yahoo Japan as well. He created a successful telecommunications company in Japan known as SoftBank Corp. There was Sprint, that was really his entry into US markets. And ARM, kind of however you cut it, this is a it's been lucrative, right? They were able to list it su successfully. Um, what may be more significant, though, is the losing bets that are not represented on this slide. And it brings me back to another favorite slide of SoftBanks over the years, which is unicorns falling into a ditch. And in a perfect world, Massasan sees them with wings getting out of the slide. And that hasn't happened with many, many of those bets. He has minted unicorns, and then many of them fell into a ditch, and they have been unable to recover. WeWork is probably the purest, best example of that. Right. Yeah, that's what I was sort of going to say, is that the, the um, you know, what really led to this huge loss this quarter is the WeWork bankruptcy. And having to take this massive loss on this single bet um, are skewing performance to the downside. It's not just WeWork. There's, there's um, you know, other Chinese uh AI companies, uh, but the you know these losing bets, the the VCs always have sort of a mix of of winners and losers. But the met, the the size of some of these losers are able to truly outweigh the the winners. And known as sort of investment losses, that's what it shows up as on the balance sheet. But when you think about SoftBank, it's really a conglomerate, right? Almost in the way that Berkshire Hathaway takes all of these positions in other companies, SoftBank does that purely in technology. So in this last quarter, um, that contributed to a $6.2 billion loss. So erasing the positive impact of ARM. And then the cumulative losses in WeWork, I know we've been talking about this for a few days now, but it's just staggering. $4.3 billion um, in one company. So that tells you sort of this, this is SoftBank's black eye. And so Massasan himself, he wasn't on hand to deliver the results. You can imagine that he might have been <laughs> if it wasn't a loss, if he could just come out and talk about ARM. Um, but CFO Yoshimitsu Goto, he came out and he focused on the positives, um, $29 billion of assets in its portfolio that he said SoftBank may be able to cash in on soon. And I thought it was really interesting what he called out here, Mark. He called out TikTok parent ByteDance and Fanatics. And I think he was saying that I mean, he was saying these are assets that they can cash in on soon, but that kind of is at odds with what we've been reporting, what we know of venture capital right now, and that exits are not easy. Right. There was a good piece in the Financial Times today, an opinion piece, uh, talking about how Masasan has been selling off his safety net, and they weren't talking about ARM, they are talking about Alibaba, right? And that he had this huge mm -hmm. cushion of gains that he could spend down and has been spending down a significant portion of, but at a certain point... Uh, you know, selling out those sure winners of Alibaba and now Arm, right? Which has has um, which has you know changed the financial picture of replaced, the company. Replaced right? essentially Alibaba in that portfolio. It's now sort of that it takes up sort of a large percentage of the portfolio that is now public, right? So he can draw down on it. But when right. he talks about further liquidity, and yes, that liquidity profile has changed. There's more that and being liquid means you can cash out on. It's no longer just paper money. It's money that you can. Right, he can sell. He can sell arm so, shares. 
that's Arm, right? They still own 90%. It's a public company. He just needs to sell them on the open market. But when the CFO brings up examples like ByteDance and Fanatics, these are still private companies. These are still valuations on paper. And I don't. they don't tell us how they're valuing ByteDance and Fanatics, but you can imagine that there's been some kind of correction. And it's hard followed to- the- and it's hard to markets. see and it's hard to see the world in which there's a huge liquidity event for ByteDance in the same way that there was for Alibaba, right? I mean, Jack Ma, you know, on the floor of the New York Stock Exchange, um, you know, taking that company public, yeah. it was briefly, you know, in the in the top 10 of uh, listed US companies. It just is hard to imagine in, in at least in the near term, a similar story emerging for ByteDance that the Chinese government or the US government would allow it to happen. There's just so much still to sort through. He could be talking about selling it on the secondary market, um, which would be interesting because you could figure out what the value of those companies are. But you have to imagine they're not as valuable as they were a few years ago. And so Masa-san's timing over the last 10 years hasn't been great either. We talk about him selling down that Alibaba stake. He didn't sell it at the peak of Alibaba. He started really selling in earnest after Alibaba got hit by the regulators and its public market value started to decline. So in that sense, he may not have got as much as he could have a few years ago. Right. And let's keep talking about timing because ARM also, there's a bit of a timing issue, right? This was a successful bet. You mentioned it earlier from Asasan. It went public in uh, September. It was a strong exit. It was a successful IPO. It opened the IPO market. Yeah, it opened the IPO market, but it it hasn't fared very well as a publicly traded stock. Right. That IPO peak um, was $69 a share at one public, I think at $51 a share. And it's trading, I think, a few cents last time I looked above $51. SoftBank still holds 90% of that company. Should they sell it at $51? Could they sell it at $45? I mean, if it really is the golden goose and Masa wants it to be part of his legacy, you know, <laughs> getting even close to what he was able to do with Alibaba, he's going to have to hold on to it for a long time. And in the presentation overnight, SoftBank talked about this being an AI play central to the new generative AI ecosystem that has still very much yet to come to fruition. So you have to imagine that he's not going to be selling ARM anytime soon if he thinks that it's going to be more valuable. Right. And you you pointed out the scale of Alibaba, but you know, uh, I sort of looked at the numbers and ARM was a 3x return on invested capital. They bought this company in 2016, SoftBank did. Um, you know, so it's seven years later, they get a 3x return on capital. Alibaba was a 1300x return, which is just a, mm. yeah, it's a career making, a making return. I think you also point out that Right arm is public, and so now it now it's you know it's it's uh, the market votes on its valuation every single day, right? And as it continues to sink, it's sinking today on some weak earnings. It's it's it might be more about um, you know structural issues having to do with the semiconductor market, but SoftBank's fortunes are very much now still tied to this arm position that it needs, um, you know, for liquidity going forward. And then there's the question of. What does SoftBank invest in going forward? Because earlier the year, earlier this year, Masasan said that he wanted to go back on the offensive, and the CFO last night reiterated that that they are in investment mode and they want to invest in generative AI. We've been talking about the valuations here, Mark. Um, he has yet to do sort of a big investment in a generative AI company like a Cohere or Character AI that other sort of Silicon Valley VCs are into and excited about. So I. I don't know, but it feels like um, history could repeat itself if he takes the same strategy. Right, and I don't, I don't want to cherry pick statements. Um, you know, it's, it'd be so short term. You know, month to month, what he's investing in. Right, it didn't matter what month you you invested in Alibaba, and you, if you met this founder early and you believed in him, 
um, or her, you know, it, it's, it's a multi-decade story. But mm-hmm. I do want to point out that Masasan in June said he was going from defense mode to offense mo- mode. June 2023 is after this huge run up in in you know public equities in the first half of 2023. You know, it's happened since June. Basically, all of tech has has lagged. So. You know, it, it was not the time in June, let's say you were buying, you know, it, it was the peak of the market to be buying and the peak evaluations yeah. to be buying a bunch of, you know, public tech equities. And that's also a big part of what SoftBank owns. And you remind me of the NASDAQ whale. Do you remember that a few yes. years ago? Peak public tech valuations. Um, and it turned out that SoftBank was the NASDAQ whale. It was picking up stakes in all of these public companies from you know, many of them tech mega caps to the hottest unprofitable newly public names. Um, so timing again. But what I will say, and what I say often on TV is you don't want to underestimate Masasan. He's a little crazy. He's flamboyant. I love his presentations more than any other company out there. And all it takes is one Alibaba. So I, I mean, clearly WeWork wasn't that, um, but he bets big. And that keeps it interesting in our line of business, Mark. Yeah. I mean, I think I, I think a lot of people have pointed out in the WeWork bankruptcy, there's a famous SoftBank slide where it shows WeWork's EBITDA and it's a straight line down. And there's there's no there's no <laughs> y-axis. So it's all just sort of hypothetical. It's like you know, drawing with your No, it's a dip. Yeah, it's down it's a dip, and then up. And then exactly. And then the next slide is just sort of a magical, you know, the present day you're in the dip, and then there's just sort of a magical arrow up and to the right, which is just sort of, you know wishful thinking in, uh, in business. And I made the comment on X or Twitter that that wasn't even his best presentation. So if you're listening and you're interested in SoftBank investor presentations, go back to 2011, my all-time favorite, where he talks about despair and loneliness, and he really charts his 300-year vision. Um, just great stuff to cover when you're in financial news, Mark. Yeah. Um, so we hope that he gives us lots more fodder. Um, rough quarter for SoftBank, but maybe some green shoots. We'll continue to cover this company as we always do. And we'll be back here tomorrow. You haven't heard about the McCrispy yet? Well then, you probably haven't heard the sweet silence after the first crispy bite either. Go try it for yourself to hear the best not sound you've ever heard. <laughs> 